Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord, and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is recorded in Luke chapter 3. Hear these words of God. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, John preached the good news to the people, but Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them, that he locked up John in prison. When all the people were baptized, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Jesus disappeared after his birth into a tiny little village called it Nazareth, way up in the northern part of Israel in the region of Galilee. And I fear that sometimes we sort of forget about him. I mean, the season is over, right? The decorations, they're all gone. The new year has begun. Some of you may be familiar, others not, with the church's calendar which was developed centuries ago to help the followers of Jesus embed his life on the pattern of our lives of faith. Now, I've always thought the church here is kind of a clever idea, whoever thought of it, because it's actually just slightly out of sync with the world's calendar because we measure our time differently. And so our new year actually began back at the end of November with the season of Advent and Christmas, and we just finished unwrapping God's gift that keeps on giving all year long as we waited to celebrate Jesus' birth, and we looked longingly forward to to his coming again in glory to make the whole world right once and for all. So today we step into a new season. It's called the season of Epiphany, and its significance and its meaning is captured well in the title of this sermon series that begins today, Witness the Wonder. Season of Epiphany actually began on Thursday last week, January the 6th, which is the day set aside to commemorate the visit of the wise men from the east to the newborn king, Jesus. And here we are already at the first Sunday after that, the first Sunday after Epiphany. And we're here 
to witness the wonder this morning of Jesus' inauguration, if you will, of Jesus' kickoff to his mission to rescue the whole creation from the mess that humanity has made of the world that that Jesus, together with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, lovingly created for us all. And they're all here today, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, tucked away in the last two verses of our reading that I've asked them to put up on the screen for you. Because you see, something big, something big is happening today. We live in a world where everything is always coming apart. And Jesus comes to us to put it all back together again. So I'd like for us today to do this. I want to witness the wonder of the heavens opening, of the Spirit descending, and of the Father speaking. I want you to witness the wonder of the heavens opening. Now, this section of Scripture actually began all the way back in verse 1 of chapter 3 with this rather long description of what was happening historically in the time of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's world was a wreck. After the death of Herod the Great, the tiny little nation of Israel had been divided into four regions, each one of them ruled either by a governor like Pontius Pilate or a tetrarch, think monarch, only smaller, a little king, a quarter king, each over the four regions of the land, men like Herod and his brother Philip, who were sons of Herod the Great, but all of them under the thumb of the Roman emperor Tiberius. And Rome had absolutely no problem meddling with the religious affairs of Israel and, and putting in a succession of high priests who would cooperate with them to try and keep the peace. And so we have here two of them named when there really only can be one. So I was riding home from work on the day of Epiphany, January the 6th, this last Thursday, and I was, I was, thinking, I was thinking about John the Baptist and about, about the world that he lived in, and I got to be honest with you, I had sort of forgotten, although not for very long because I had the radio on, that January 6th was the first anniversary of whatever you call what happened in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. on that date in 2021. And there's lots of opinions. But in the context of, of being a preacher whose job it is to try and connect what's happening out there in the world with God's word, to me, it was simply a reminder that political division and struggles for power and for control are not the exception. They are, in fact, the rule. If you add to that another variant of the COVID virus and the endless stream of news on the number of new cases and hospitalizations and the impact it's having on everything from the jobs report to school attendance, not to mention, not to mention whatever might be happening in your life personally, for better or 
or for worse. And all of a sudden, those words from our text, the people were in expectation. And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. It hit me right between the eyes because people are always looking for a Savior, for a Messiah, for a Christ, something or someone who could somehow rescue us from the mess of this world and our lives. And so where, where have we looked his, historically? Conservatism? Well, progressivism, liberalism, socialism, communism? I mean, some look to the economy, you know why? Because money has always been a vigorously worshipped savior. Others look to science. We launched the, the James Webb Space Telescope on Christmas Eve with the expectation that it will go further out into the universe than we have ever seen before in our lives. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe there we will discover where we all came from and how life came into existence on this planet. At least that's what the reports were saying. But I need you to remember that heaven and earth were never supposed to be separated. That happened way back in the very beginning when human beings decided that they could do just fine without their creator and the curtain came down that separated us from God's holy of holies presence and we plunged headfirst into the mess that we live in. Now over the course of time, a few were given a peek, a glimpse behind the curtain. Ezekiel, one of the Old Testament prophets, starts off his record of God's work in his life saying that he saw that the heavens were opened and Stephen, one of the early followers of Jesus, who was stoned to death while he was proclaiming Jesus as the true Messiah, as the only Christ, as the real Savior, saw heaven opened before him, and there was Jesus standing at the right hand of God. We witness the wonder of the heavens opening for us in Jesus because heaven is nothing more nor less than the real presence of God for which we were all created. It is, in fact, what every human being is longing for and why they are continuously looking expectantly for any Messiah, for any Christ, for any Savior that might satisfy even for a moment that longing, no matter how often history has clearly shown that it cannot be found in the economy or in science or in systems of government. Jesus stands on the world stage for a moment in our text and heaven opens and declares that he is the only way back into the real presence of God. 
one of Jesus' followers, also named Don, John, but not, not John the Baptist, but rather John the brother of James, one of the sons of Zebedee, recorded Jesus' own words. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that same John was also given a glimpse behind the curtain into what actually awaits us when Jesus does come again in glory in the last book of the Bible where he talks about a new heaven and a new earth where the real presence of God will be restored permanently. In the 21st chapter of the Revelation, John wrote these words, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Witness the wonder of heaven opening. The real presence of God being restored to us even now by faith in Jesus in the context of this worship as we hear his word, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and forever when he comes again in glory. And now turn and witness the wonder of the Holy Spirit descending in bodily form. Now, I was fascinated this week as we were studying this text to, to read that, according to some scholars at least, the only other place in the whole Bible where there is similar language concerning the Spirit is all the way back at the creation. And if you see that little phrase hovering over the face of the waters, that phrase carries with it this image of a bird, perhaps of a dove, fluttering. I need you to see what's happening. Jesus' baptism is actually the beginning of a new creation. What happened in the beginning is happening again. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the water and the Father is speaking. This is too big to even be comprehended. And the same John that I quoted before started his whole account of Jesus' life like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that has been made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. At the first creation, the Father spoke, and the creative word went forth and accomplished what he said and it was so, and it was very good. And now, here stands that same creative word, only now made flesh, and again the Father speaks, and what he says is so, and it is very good. Witness now the wonder of the Father speaking. You 
are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God, God has found a way to start over in you and in me. Another one of Jesus' followers named Paul wrote these words. We are God's workmanship. Can also be translated, we are God's masterpieces. Created in Christ Jesus. And in another place, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. I need you this morning to picture Jesus' baptism like this. All of the people were coming caked and covered in the filth of their sin, and John preached a baptism of repentance, that is, of admitting that you have not lived perfectly in every thought, every word, and every deed. And when they were baptized, they left their sin in the water so that when Jesus, the beloved Son, with whom the Father is well pleased, is baptized, he takes all their sin onto himself and leaves his perfect obedience, his righteousness in the water for us. Jesus carries that load of sin to the cross. And there he suffers the consequences of the human rejection of God. Darkness descends on him. He experiences the void, the emptiness, the chaos of the absence of God. Jesus on the cross is uncreated, if you will. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the father is silent. The father does not speak. And death grabs a hold of Jesus and drags him down only to discover that it is Jesus who has death in his grips so that when Jesus steps out of the tomb three days later, he leaves sin and death to rot in his grave where they belong. And all of that becomes yours in the water of your baptism? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Look, in your baptism and every single time that you consciously remember it, every time that you see or taste or touch or feel or smell water, the Holy Spirit descends on you. He hovers over you and you're born again and you become a new creation in that moment. And the Father speaks your name and says, in Jesus, you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Witness the wonder of heaven's opening for you, the Spirit descending 
on you and the Holy Spirit speaking your name and you will become, that is, you will be transformed into a witness of the wonder of God working in your life in all things. What about the fire? The fire is the purifying and refining presence of God in your life as he works through even the most painful circumstances little by little to shape you, to form you, to polish you into the one-of-a-kind, unrepeatable miracle that he created and then died to recreate you to be. Look, the fire comes as it did for John in this text when life doesn't go the way that you expected it to. The fire comes in the trials and the the troubles that are in all likelihood yet to, to come on us in the new year until Jesus comes again in glory to make the world right permanently. But that fire, whatever it might be, whatever trouble, whatever struggle you might face, that fire, that can't hurt you. Because just as God used the cross to destroy sin and death, God now uses every evil, every hard, every unwanted thing that might happen to us between now and when Jesus comes again to make us imperishable, to make us fireproof on the last day. Because you see, there is another fire coming that God wants no one to experience. I need you to witness the wonder today of the heavens opening, the spirit descending, and the Father speaking to transform you into his witness of the wonder of living by faith in Jesus no matter what this new year might bring. Praising him for the blessings that are sure to come and trusting him in the midst of your struggles that he is there too. Amen.